0: Today's episode is brought to you by Wally Opus Presents 2022, a local record label showcase happening on Sunday, December the 18th, right here in Evansville, Indiana, happening on the east side at Stage 2 at 321, doors open at 5, and music starts at 6. We have The Strangers, Atlas of the Dogs, Swamp Eyes, and a new band called Panama Papers all the way from IU, Bloomington, Indiana. Go to uh, Wallyopus.com to find more information or Eventbrite. Just search Wallyopus Presents 2022. Hello, miners. Welcome to the 13th episode of Mining in the Foothills, where I am on the search for dialectic gold with doers from around the beautiful and ever expansive, but yet very quaint Midwest. I am Wes from Wallyopus. And I'm pulling another episode from the archives because I was out of town last weekend at a retreat, which was great. I feel rejuvenated and reimagined as a person. So today is an interview, or the episode I have for today is an interview I did back in August of 2021 with a folk flavored Beatles esque singer songwriter named Marcus Ho. I caught Marcus right before he moved to Michigan last year for his freshman year of college, and I had a great talk with him about his inspirations, his songwriting, and we even got a little uh, live performance of an Elliot Smith song at the end of this episode, which was awesome. Uh, Marcus's new single is out now. It just came out last week. It's called This Weather. Uh, go check that out And check out all of his music on Spotify or YouTube or wherever uh, Sunny Boy and Flying are some of my favorite tracks that he's made So, without further ado, this is Marcus Ho From the archives The Sunny Boy I Okay, well sweet Well, Marcus, how do you say your last name? Ho Ho, okay, yeah, gotcha I, I saw that, and I just didn't know if it was a special pronunciation, but...
1: No, it works. comes from a Hohenzollern, as I've been told by my family, which is, like, pretty cool, because we learned about them in history class. It's like a German dynasty or something. But I think when my dad's side of the family came to to America, Ellis Island changed their name and shortened it, which I heard is pretty common. Really? Or it was pretty common,
0: yeah. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, me neither. Somebody else told me.
0: <laughs> so you're of German descent
1: <laughs> and Mexican. So I'm half, like I'm half white and half Mexican. My mom is full Mexican.
0: Really. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So that that kind of leads off. Like I wanted to ask, who are you? Where did you come from? Because I I just yeah. met you two weeks ago at yeah. a little show. Um, you from Evansville? No,
1: I'm from Illinois. And from a really small town called Robinson, Illinois, which has like a population of 11,000 probably. And I lived there until I was about like eight years old. So it was probably pretty formative on who I am as a person, but I don't remember much of it because mm-hmm. it's so long ago. <laughs> Even though I'm only 19, it's, it still feels like it's like a it's lifetime half ago. Half of your life ago. Yeah, exactly. And then I moved to Evansville uh, when I was about eight. And I've lived here ever since. But yeah.
0: What side of town?
1: Uh, I lived on the north side, and then I moved to Newburgh at the beginning of high school.
0: See so your castle.
1: Mm-hmm. I went to Signature School.
0: Oh, you did. Mm-hmm. Okay. You probably know some people that that I know, but we yeah. Possibly. But yeah. Okay. Cool. So you're a Sig Sig dude. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, what is your musical journey? You said that mm. you. Before we started, you sat down and played the piano just a little bit. You said yeah. you have a little bit of a training in piano? Uh, somewhat. Whenever
1: I was, I don't know. It seems like at that age, every year is kind of meshed into one looking back on it. So it's difficult to pinpoint what specific year I started playing. But about probably five or six, I like fell in love with the Beatles I would just get on my dad's laptop while he was at work and go on YouTube and just type in Beatles because at his at his office he had a bunch of like beatles uh what are they like the the anthology albums
0: yeah okay, and
1: I started listening to those and Beethoven and I fell in love with both Beethoven and the Beatles at the same time at such an early age and got really into them and then I was like begging my mom i was like i
2: want to play piano
1: so bad and then so she put me in piano lessons at a really early age and then at that same time they also got me a guitar Mm -hmm. so i didn't start taking lessons in that for a while it's very difficult to recall at this point because it Mm -hmm. feels so long ago but i didn't really take lessons that seriously while they're going on because i didn't have like the the understanding of like why I'm learning the stuff I'm learning because I was yeah. too young. I was like, I really just wanted to play Beatles songs and I was like, why am I playing a major scale over and over again? Like This isn't translating in my head to what I want to be doing. Yeah. So I fell, a bit with, uh, I fell a bit disenchanted with the whole entire process of learning. So I kind of gave up on lessons and then just started teaching myself, I guess.
0: Do you think that's a common experience for young kids who, who get into lessons because they want to learn? Like, I feel like you're not the first person. In fact, I feel like there's a lot of people who have said that. uh, Even the band I work with, the Strangers, Rylan, the guitar player, he went to like he learned classical guitar, but he and he's good, but he like he hated the experience. Mm. I, I can't speak for him, but I don't think he liked it. Because of that, he's like, I want to learn music. I want to learn performance. I want to learn. You know, you think that's a pretty common experience, and then, but, but it, you didn't stop playing, so it didn't disenchant your love for music. Yeah, exactly. Just to like, um, learning it or something.
1: Yeah. To be honest, I'm very grateful. I went through that at such an early age. Looking back on it, I'll answer your question a bit, but because uh, yeah. I don't want to sound totally like jaded on the whole entire thing because i'm really appreciative that i put in all of the foundational work at such a young age because i think it's really benefited me now because um i don't know i laid a pretty solid like musical base for myself that at the time i didn't know what i was doing so looking back i am really grateful that i went through lessons but uh yeah at the time it was a bummer like i think it happens with a lot of kids it seems like yeah. I, it probably is a pretty common experience where because i feel like at an early age it's just difficult to grasp like why what you're playing isn't sounding like what you want it to mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's like at that time i feel like instant gratification is at like an all-time high or you, your desire for instant gratification yes yeah and like it following any uh intrinsic goals at that age is just a bit difficult you right know?
0: It's hard to it's hard to at that young age understand that work I put in now pays off in the future because the yeah. future is is a harder thing to grasp when mm-hmm. you're eight or six or five yeah. whatever that exactly. that is. But I will say, yeah, I I, uh, I did a little scrolling on your Instagram and saw you playing some different things, and yeah, you I can tell you know how to play the guitar. You're not just playing, you're not just strumming chords, you know which is its own thing. Like that's simple folk music. That's its own thing. But you have, you have, uh, you have stuff going on that is a little more. And even in your music, I can hear uh, like a, like a depth of, of training, which is, I do agree. Like, I'm glad that you're grateful for it. Cause I think that it benefited you and you're only 19. So think about in 10 more years. Yeah. you know,
1: I've been thinking that recently a lot. And thank you for, uh for saying that. Yeah, man. <laughs> But, uh, I was thinking cuz I was I was just recently in South Carolina with my family and um I brought along a classical guitar with me
3: mm-hmm.
1: and I was I like feel like I'm on like the cusp of like the next uh next stage in my guitar playing and I'm starting to get really into like I don't th- I don't know how much this is going to translate into the music I make but it's more of like a thing for myself. I'm starting to play like full arrangements of songs like that involve like chord changes and melody playing at the same time more like written in a classical style Mm -hmm. and i was just it's like the new thing i found that like i can start to progress on again and it's getting me really excited about guitar and i was just thinking like if i continue because i play probably i probably play like every day about four to five hours like and I hardly miss a day and it's not like I'm trying to it's more so like I always am playing guitar whenever I have the opportunity to
0: that's great and I
1: was just thinking like in like 10 years I feel like I'm going to be doing so well (laughs) like not not to toot my own horn or whatever I'm just saying if I continue to put in this much work I feel like it's gonna get pretty decent at guitar you know there you go
0: yeah it's and now uh like on the contrary, now that you're this age, you can see like future, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm 27. So you could see that you're 19. By the time you're 27, if you put in that much work, yes, like you will be a different guitar player at that point. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome, man. Cool. Well, okay. When uh, when I met you the uh, a couple weeks ago, you said uh, you'd been making music so you said you just came out with your first single but you've been making music for years so then i found on um, your spotify or your soundcloud molasses what is this
1: okay yeah so molasses was a, a high school band i had with uh, with two friends and um okay it, we only released three songs together but that was really formative in my understanding of songwriting i feel cuz we wrote a lot but just we're too lazy or not motivated enough to uh, to actually record a lot. And it, yeah, it was just, uh, it started me and my friend, my friend Ben has a great voice and we were hanging out one day and it was probably like two or three in the morning because we just enjoyed staying up late and going God. on YouTube and watching concerts and stuff. And I just started, I was like, dude, we should make a song or something. And he was pretty for the idea. So uh, I just, I had, like, an interface already because I, I had started, like, recording some instrumental stuff. This is probably whenever I was about 16. Okay. I started recording some instrumental stuff around, like, 13, like, just trying to figure out how to reproduce the stuff that I heard. Like, whenever I was listening to music, it just interested me quite a bit, like, that whole process. Like
0: how to make music, like how yeah. to record music yeah, and exa- stuff? Yeah. Okay. And
1: then, um, so I was like, we should just make a song. So then, we wrote a song and recorded it, and it actually did really well. And I think the kids at our school, like, started to stream it a lot because they ended up like I have no idea, but it got like thirty thousand plays. And then that was like that was pretty cool. So then we just yeah, that's
0: a nice organic, like, growth for a song that's just yeah, put yeah, together. You know? Yeah, it was
1: it was really bare bones as a track. It was probably like. I had no idea what I was doing at the time. I still feel like I don't, but I have a a bit better of an understanding now. But it was probably like six layered guitars and then three layered vocals, and that was it. I think also I recorded a bass line by plugging my guitar into a a Fender Mustang amp, and there was an octave pedal feature on there. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I did that and just put it all together, and we put it out. And then... We added a, a work friend named Ethan to uh, to our band, and he was a drummer, so the next two songs had drums on them.
0: <laughs> okay, there you go.
1: Yeah, but I ended up uh, jamming with Ethan quite a bit, like with no real goal of making music in mind. He would just come over pretty regularly, and we would play together, and that really... Uh, opened my eyes to the experience of like making music in a collaborative setting. And mm-hmm. then recently with collaboration, I I've been playing in house shows around Indiana with, with my friends and um, I'm in like a, a collective of some sorts uh, okay. called called Hollem, which is uh, it's, I don't know whether or not to call it a band or a collective. Cause like, we have a lot of people in it. There's probably about seven people in it total, and there's some, like it ranges from music to like art, and we put out music, but it's I feel like it's more than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my friend Ben, who I made that original stuff with in high school, is also in that. So I feel like I haven't been contributing that much to that to it recently, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're ta- <laughs> they're taking it pretty seriously. And it's pretty cool to see their growth as well. Yeah. So
0: I feel like that's okay because you're putting out your own stuff right now. Yeah. And so so where, um, at what point did you diverge from this collaborative thing and go towards your own music project? Or is your music project collaborative still? Uh, Are you playing all the instruments?
1: On some of the stuff I play all the instruments. It's more so, I like, I've been wondering this myself. I guess I see myself as like a pro, a producer mm-hmm. of my own music and that like, if I can't play a part as well as I want to, I find somebody to play it for me. Yeah. You know? And that, I, I feel just,
0: like that's so um, honest of you and, and without ego, like egoless. because I mean, I just, from my own experience, I know that bringing somebody onto your baby is a, like it's a, you have to let part of yourself die. You have to let part of yourself mm-hmm. give that away to, yeah. and, and being honest and saying this person is going to do it better than me. It's so that I commend you on that. I think that Thank that's you. uh yeah, that's, yeah, it's been an,
1: trust me, I had to deal with uh, the ego of a 17 year old kid, like yeah. being like, oh, I can do everything myself. And there are times I find <laughs> where I can do everything myself, but it, it, I realize my goal is not some self-gratification of like oh look how good of a job I did it's I'm trying to make the best music I possibly can and I need to serve the music because that's the most important thing I I don't want to get a pat on the back for oh you played all the instruments great job you know right I've realized it's just not as important as making a good song but yeah so there is collaboration in that aspect and that I usually have like my friend Caden, I'll have him come in. He's also in Harlem. I'll have him come in and play some bass because he is an insane bass player. So it's great. Uh, it's great having a lot of friends that are into the same thing as me because it's Absolutely. just like a pool, and we all we all draw from each other. And then I still I'll have Ethan play drums on a lot of songs. And um,
0: did Ethan yeah. play drums on Sunny Boy? Yes, he did. Did Caden play bass?
1: Yeah, he did. Okay,
0: so you played all the guitar parts?
1: I played all the guitar and did like the production side of things as well.
0: So, take me, so let's go down that. So, I, Sunny Boy has been like a slow burn for me. Like, I listened to it the first Mm -hmm. time, I'm like, huh. I didn't like it. I didn't dislike it. It was just like, huh. But it was interesting. Yeah. So, I listened to it again and I listened to it again. And I've probably listened to it um, in the last week and a half, probably like 15, To 20 times awesome to
1: hear that makes me so
0: happy (laughs) yeah because i think it's a really it's just interesting i don't know why like it just keeps pulling me in for like more and i i hear new things every time i hear it i think it's a well-written song in my opinion thank you so much um so so take me take me into the production of sunny and boy like what how does how does that song how does that song like how is it birthed like, is it just you and a? Di- like, do you come up with a good guitar and then you produce? Like, mm-hmm. what's produ- Like, what production? What do you do to make that song what it is right now?
1: All right, so uh I moved to Utah, and about this is very connected. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. seem so right now, but That's it'll, okay. it'll get there. Uh, I moved to Utah in November with a few friends to work at a ski resort because I'm currently on a gap year uh, from high school to college. And all I had out there was an acoustic guitar. And it made me really like reassess what my crutches were when it came to songwriting. And I realized that I was doing a very poor job at portraying like the emotions I was wanting to get across in the music I was making like at that time before I moved. So then I just really became dedicated to songwriting and singing and practicing like every single day and um i eventually got to the point where i was writing a song every single day for like a while there and at that time i feel like everything was in line and it was like i don't know i've experienced this before but it seems like there's like times where if i'm really on top of everything in my life i become somewhat of like an open vessel to like Mm -hmm. whatever the universe is providing sure i I mean that more than musically i mean it like everything is like very intense and everything i'm experiencing is like super profound no matter what it like i just seem to be more receptive if i'm like really on top of what's going on and i was listening to this artist named elliot smith who's like by far the my favorite artist of all time and that changes a lot but it seems like he has satiated a musical need that i've been looking for forever Mm. and he has a song called a distorted reality is now a necessity to be free which is a mouthful It is. (laughs) but uh his opening line of that song was and it's his last song that was ever on a on one of his albums like it's his last song ever that was on one of his albums And it's, I'm floating in a black balloon. And I was like, oh my God, that is such an amazing line. So then I took it and I was like, it would mean the world to me to have his first, his last line be the first line of my first song that I put out. So then I just wrote around that line. I start, like I wrote down in my journal, I'm floating in a black balloon and started writing just based off of the emotions that evoked from me and at the same time, the day before I wrote the lyrics, I started working on like I just was moving my capo around on my guitar and started working on like a descending finger picking lick yeah. and I realized that they would kind of work well together so i wrote I wrote it down in my journal, and then i usually my process is after I write something i'll record a voice memo okay. on my phone with your guitar yeah, with my guitar and um just vocals and guitar. And then I'll usually listen to it for a while and then determine whether or not it's worth it to actually put in the effort to record. And it's mm-hmm. kind of a nice barrier to entry of like judging my work objectively on to whether or not I feel like it's worthwhile to share. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I recorded a voice memo and I showed it to my roommates I was living with. I played it for them, like just actually me playing to them. Mm-hmm. And then... I was like, oh, this is a, this is a nice song. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. So then whenever I moved back home from Utah, so there's like probably like a three-month gap between okay. when I wrote it and when I actually recorded it. But I got back home from Utah, and I finally had access to all my recording equipment again. That was the first thing I did whenever I got home was record that. So I laid down the guitar track first, and then I doubled the guitar track, mm-hmm. which I just think it's nice because I like the stereo stereo image it can get yeah and then i um recorded the vocals like one vocal take of like the main melody and then i started adding harmonies to the latter half of each verse because i thought that it sounded really nice and um it was just kind of fun to be
0: honest and And those sorry to interrupt you but those those harmonies add a they add the like little hint of darkness that the black balloon I think sort of uh, brings up, you know. Like yeah. it adds this little bit of uh, d- dissonant undertone that I think is like, it's a nice touch.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I was cognizant at the time, but I feel like that was me recording that has shown me that it's pretty important just to get out of my own way and kind of let, I guess, my subconscious just determine what's going to sound the best mm-hmm. and to be honest at that time i like i i still was pretty uh i still lacked confidence in my singing so i did probably about 75 vocal takes and <laughs> i just I, i'm not it's funny but at yeah. the same time i'm not exaggerating i no, i am very like there is like something it's i've gotten over it recently or starting to but like it would every time I would do a vocal take, it would be so disappointing every time I'd hear it, that it was like a visceral, just like upset reaction, that until that went away, whenever I played it back, that was when it would be okay for me to move on to the next part. So it, like the perfectionism was really like a detriment to any productivity for a while.
0: And And this is you recording yourself. Yes. Yes, okay. Yes. I think that that makes sense because if you have another person recording you, they can be objective and say, "Dude, it's great," but at the same time, they might also not hold you to the same level of quality that you see yourself. so there's a you know there's a balance, but yeah, that's the hard work. Doing it yourself is the hard work. Yeah, I found it to be quite therapeutic
1: to be honest, and like it's shown me how to allow myself to make mistakes and be okay with those mistakes because I'm not a robot, and at the same yeah. time, it's really shown me like like you said, like I I can hold myself to a very high bar and allow myself yeah. to fail until I achieve it. And I've noticed the gap to start to close or become smaller as I get more and more practice with recording songs and how long it takes me to achieve what I find desirable out of yeah. myself. So that's been a nice thing to to see. And I think if I was recording with somebody else, it'd be difficult to make them sit through me singing the exact same vocal line like a hundred times, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's been nice to do it myself in that respect. Yeah. But... Okay, yeah. so
0: you're, you're adding harmonies mm-hmm. to, the, to the main vocal. Yes. Is then, the main vocal doubled or is it just one?
1: T- yeah, it's, it's doubled. Okay. It's doubled. I
0: it think. sounds pretty thick.
1: Yeah, I learned that from Elliot Smith as well. He, if you listen to his music, all of his vocal takes are doubled. And I thought it added so much like to it does yeah it sounds so nice listening back to all of his music it's like i don't know the, it's just it's just like an, an extra touch that just means so much whenever i hear it you yeah. know
0: but and, you you and, said the beatles are a big influence yeah, too and, and, and there's a lot of that mm-hmm. going on in their music as well
1: yes i was actually listening to a long 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 off the white album on the way here and mm-hmm. i just i just learned how to play that last night and uh George has a double track vocal it sounds like it's actually like four different vocals going on and it's it I just think it adds so much to like the portrayal of the voice yeah and, and that like I think there's a lot of inner emotions that come out whenever you're singing that uh, can be lost within the mix especially if there's a lot of a lot more stuff going on
0: mm-hmm. and
1: like internally internally whenever I sing, it feels the same way as whenever I hear my voice double tracked, if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like, right. Yeah. Actually, that's interesting. That's an interesting thought. I have not thought of that because I'm I, thinking you're, when you're singing it, you think you know how it sounds, but mm-hmm. then there's the actual like acoustic spread of your voice coming yeah. out into the world. Yeah, that's interesting.
1: I haven't thought about that until I just said it either, but like, <laughs> thank you. I'm just kind of going stream of consciousness. I'm a bit yeah, too that's tired. Good. That's good. To have no, that's. That's good.
0: Yeah, that's that's good.
1: <laughs> but if if I think about it more right now, it seems like you're hearing yourself twice and that it's rattling internally and then it's also coming in through your ears. Right. So I guess you're hearing yourself twice. So that would make sense why that's more accurate to how I hear myself in my head whenever but I'm it's singing it. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. That that's is. awesome. That's a good uh, thing to explain, I think, in future cases where if it's it's like a hey, you should double that. Why do I need to double it? Here's the effect. Yeah, know. it's kind of cool. Yeah, that is. Okay, yeah. so so you got so it sounds like you do a lot of vocal work. Yeah, yeah. On, like for let's stick with Sunny Boy, so mm-hmm. you're doing like a lot of vocal work with Sunny Boy, and then you only have two guitar parts at this point, or do you start um, adding layers or?
1: Yeah, so the recording process for the guitar is that I sat down with the click track, and I just played it all the way through once, and then I went back and played it all the way through again. And I kind of enjoy doing it, one for the stereo spread that you can get with two tracks, but also like the minor deviations that occur whenever you're playing the exact same part, I think adds yeah. a lot to the replayability. Cause then, like, the more and more you hear it, you'll notice like the tiny imperfections. And I think that adds a lot to the recording overall. Yeah. So, whenever I went through it twice with two acoustic guitars, I, after I got those down, that's when I worked on the vocals. And then after I got the vocals and the guitar done, um, I went through on the choruses, I added uh, electric guitar, uh, kind of just harmonizing with what I was playing with the acoustic. And then I also, um, I'm trying to remember. I, on the second chorus, I did that same electric guitar. And then I also added an organ
3: mm-hmm.
1: and a, a shaker and like a noisemaker. And um excuse me, after I got all of that done, I texted Ethan and I was like, Hey, I have a song that I need you to come over and record drums on. So he came over and uh we just workshopped some different drums on the track to see where it would fit and got those recorded and then lastly I got my friend Caden to come over and record some bass. So sweet. I'm dunk. glad
0: that you waited on the drums um when they come in i think it's tasteful No, oh, thank you at that point you know what i mean versus mm-hmm. like the entire song has drums in it or and or bass i think it was a nice build up thank you to then introduce them so did you record the drums
1: yeah i recorded the drums at home and just ethan ethan playing i wasn't playing i just but i recorded them he he brought his drum set yeah, he keeps he keeps his drums at my house. Oh, that's convenient. <laughs> it is really well. If convenient. you jam a lot, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, sweet. I think he prefers it that way, actually. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sure. Dude. Like
1: it, it was really nice too because I've become somewhat of a drummer just having it there. I was yeah. like, I might as well learn. Yeah, you know. So that's afforded me the ability to record whenever he's not available, which he's a very busy person. So it's <laughs> it's rare is Ethan, now.
0: Is Ethan Azip Ethan? Yes. Okay. I met Ethan two years ago or a year and a half ago.
1: He is like a brother to me. He's one of my best friends that's in the awesome, whole world. Man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So he was at the show with you or you yeah. guys were at the show together. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thanks to Ethan. Cause I feel like that's sort of how he gave us the introduction. Yeah. So that was nice. Yeah. So, nice. okay. So then you, you get this. So what software do you use? I use logic. Okay. So you use logic to track mm-hmm. everything. And then, Somebody else mixes it? Yes,
1: so in high school, this ties back to Molasses, the high school band. Okay. We were kind of obsessed with this band named Boy Pablo. Have you ever okay. I don't think so. They're like an indie pop band. They're really big with uh, with uh, the kids I was hanging out with. That was okay. like our idol, you know? Like it was, yeah. uh, cause they, were, they weren't they were that much older than us and it was showing us like, oh, we could do something with music. And um, my friend, Ben, just started like doing some internet deep dives and uh found who their producer was and messaged him on Instagram and he mixed our music for our last two songs with molasses and I've just stayed in regular contact with him and he mixes all of my music now so that's been pretty cool to be able to work with him
0: That's awesome man mm-hmm. and it sounds good That was well, thank you. honestly that was one of my first um like uh clicks when i turned on sunny was like oh it sounds really good like it sound like the quality is thank you yeah it sounds good so i think that's a it's an homage to your to your recording and your performance but also to, to no, the he, mix yeah. mix engineer there he
1: definitely had so much it's like i'm like waking up on christmas morning because he's like he lives in norway oh really (laughs) yeah so it's like there's a seven hour time difference so i'll send him something in the day and i'll wake up to whatever he sends me back and it's like i wake up in the morning and see a text from his name's eric dorsheim and i see a text from him and i just i'm so excited to go out to my car and listen to whatever he sent me back (laughs) it's it's the best
2: oh that's great yeah i I get so excited i love
1: that that's like adds a whole entire another dimension to to the payoff for me you know like absolutely getting- and i think
0: it's also another credit to the putting yourself aside and saying instead of me trying to do everything i want to bring on this guy mm-hmm. who can better serve the mix than perhaps i can and yeah. does he does he give you um objective feedback ever like as in like uh any production feedback or like this isn't working this is um or is it just he just mixes it and
1: he'll he'll tell me whether or not he enjoys the track <laughs> but i uh, used to with molasses he would be pretty forthright cuz we were super young i think he was just like trying to help us push yeah. us along a little bit he would tell us like hey you should add synth part here you should add something here it would help a lot and he's actually done that he did that for a few molasses songs uh himself like he would add a part or two yeah and um but now I feel like I've got uh, I've gotten to the point where I'm more okay with the decisions I make and understand why the decisions I'm making are happening. That I he hasn't really like thought of anything to offer, I guess, or hasn't yeah. you know. And I, I don't know if I'd be as receptive at this point to uh, <laughs> to it. Not saying that I wouldn't be. I'm just saying like I I make pretty deliberate decisions with what I'm doing and. Like, I've, I, everything I'm doing is on purpose within the music. So, yeah. you know, I don't know.
0: Yeah. So it's really not as necessary at this point.
1: Yeah. Even though I would love his feedback, I actually sent him two songs a few days ago and asked him for some production feedback. So, because I, I don't know where I'm going in particular with like a few parts in those songs. So I'm not saying I'm closed off and I'm like some, bastion of knowledge when it comes to production at this point I'm just more okay with the decisions I'm making you know yeah
0: cool all right so that's that's sunny Boy yeah did you do the artwork
1: no my friend Chloe did the artwork it was yeah it was awesome it made me feel so happy that she was willing to do it Cause I was like, I'll pay you. And she was like, you don't have to pay me. It, and it like warmed my heart. And it actually ended up looking like the album cover for, uh, wheels on fire by cream a little okay, bit, which right. is like, I, she, I don't know if she's listened to that before, but it's one of my favorite album artworks. So it, it got me really excited to see that. And yeah, end, it's it an was,
0: interesting black and white, uh, really, really heavy dense line work, yeah. you know, yeah. but it's cool. I could look at it for a while and
1: yeah, She's a great artist. I wasn't expecting it to be black and white to be honest. I I didn't tell her what to do on that. I was like you can do whatever cuz I feel like that's also a thing I've learned with getting my friends to play is like I need to know when to step back uh like get them to play on my songs is like I think the best will come out whenever what they're compelled to play is what they play. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like with some direction by me but at the same time Allowing somebody to be emotionally moved and express that emotional movement sure. is like I've I found to be the best quality mm-hmm. in the in the results, you know.
0: Yeah, because I feel like even even if you give your two cents and then step away, but you already kind of gave your two cents with making the song and saying, "Here's what I mm-hmm. got. What are you thinking?" And if you trust them, they're probably gonna come up with something better than you thought anyway. Yeah. Or together, it's gonna be it's gonna be better. Yeah. But, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, um, I have a couple of specific questions I want to ask you. Okay. Bob Dylan, you mentioned that when I first met you. What does Bob Dylan mean to you? Why Why? Oh my God. why are you so... He means There's the a world. lot of people attracted to Bob Dylan, but why are you... What do you love? He means
1: everything to me. I have a Bob Dylan book in my car right now. <laughs> like, that I just keep in there. It's his life and pictures I found, and I was staying at a friend's house in Carmel, Indiana, Uh and we went to a a secondhand bookstore together, and I found it there, and I just keep it in my car. I can't begin to describe how much his work means. It's like, it's everything. His lyricism and, like, his ability. I think his voice is the best voice I've ever heard, and I mean that, like, genuinely. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, like, are hesitant whenever they hear his voice, but I think, one, his like fearlessness and knowing that that's what his voice sounds like yeah. and still being like okay to see himself through as one of the most popular artists ever yeah. you know like, yeah. he, like that takes a lot of confidence and it's really inspiring to see like somebody with not that not the most traditionally uh, he's not a
0: crooner he's not yeah, Frank Sinatra yeah exactly. he's not that but it's just his voice mm-hmm. and his guitar in a lot of mm-hmm. cases that is the most yeah. That is the draw, you know. Yeah, and that's
1: it, it's amazing. Like hearing I don't know, like every single song I hear by him just it I I think what I've noticed in his writing and I don't know if how well I can speak on this cuz I haven't heard everything by him, but it seems like the common thread between them is that a lot of it is based on emotion. And I don't I don't know how, that's not like some crazy idea it just seems like that's what's tying it all together is like here is how he is feeling at that exact moment and it's kind of just like capturing a specific moment in his life or maybe in his mind and I think his ability to portray whatever he's feeling is beautiful Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and it's something I look up to a lot and he also has some of the best just recordings ever of like (laughs) some of the greatest musicians you know like Mm -hmm. on my favorite song by him changes a lot but right now it's ballad of a thin man Mm -hmm. which i think is is like one of the most raw and aggressive sounding things i've ever heard in my life and it's just so good i don't know i don't know i could i could talk about bob dylan forever i hope i portray a little bit why i enjoy his music so much but yeah yeah
0: you know and i think like one thing so i got into bob dylan last year spring probably something mm-hmm. like that and one thing that i carry with me i think as like a lesson is that um if everybody and i don't i'm not saying this is how all of his recording sessions were but from mm-hmm. what i've gathered it just seems like there was a lot of trust in like i brought you on like you play your part you just play your part i'm going to play my part we're all going to play our parts what we did that day Is exactly what it is. Like that's what we did. It's perfect the way it is, or it's imperfect. It doesn't matter. Like, Mm -hmm. who gives a shit? Like we're gonna do it and we're gonna move on. Yeah, you know, like the and and I don't know how you judge satisfaction out of that. Like I don't know if he's like this is good. I'm satisfied, or if it's like we need to do it ten more times. I don't know, but that just trust in what you do is good. Like that's good. Like this, we did it. Mm -hmm. So therefore. We're gonna move on. You yeah. know. I feel like I and that's it, I don't even know if what he would say that if that was like his intention or something. But it's just what I mm-hmm. walked away from. You know, a Thought, confidence yeah. and trusting that what we did in the moment was good enough. We don't have to go back in the software and make the timing perfect. Like you said, the imperfections in your stereo guitar, those two things really add a lot of depth, a lot of character, and I think that's something I've taken away from his. His music
1: yeah i I would a hundred percent agree with you it's like and going back in I've listened to a lot of his uh unreleased demos and stuff
3: mm-hmm.
1: that uh, show the process of how the song eventually got to where it was, and there's not there is deviation of course, in how it's being played, but like the that initial rawness is still present throughout the whole process of the recording, and I think um I heard Neil Young talk about this, but like the more and more times you do something, the further you get from the source of it. Mm. And I feel like Bob Dylan is really connected to the source of where it's coming from.
0: Wow. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's That, that might be his, his gift or his ability is to always be able to stay close to that source, yeah. whatever he would describe the source mm-hmm. to be, you know? Yeah, So that every single performance sounds like an original performance and not a rendition of what he once yeah. did. Because that's challenging as fuck, you know? Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine, too, after playing like Rolling Stone thousands of times, <laughs> yeah. like, how do you make it sound good again? Mm-hmm. It's probably never... But that also probably means, like, Jimi Hendrix, not one performance is probably going to sound like... identical to the last one Mm -hmm. which probably is going to drive like certain producers or recording engineers nuts Mm -hmm. you know because like why can't you just play it exactly like you just did yeah they have the
1: technical capability but they won't (laughs) right yeah
0: they get bored
1: that's that's, i love that in Jimi hendrix's music too he's also one of my favorite artists he's yeah he seems to have that same thing going on that bob dylan does especially with the covers too of all along the watchtower and like rolling stone right you know
0: so let me let me let me segue. So you you on your first video on Instagram, it's um, "Woman, Don't You Cry for Me" by George Harrison acoustic cover. I had never heard that song until you performed it, and mm-hmm. I'm like, this is actually would prefer if I was going to listen to the song, I would prefer to hear an acoustic version of it than the one on his what thirty thirty one and whatever album that album that it's on, mm-hmm. like the produ- the produced album. Yeah actually prefer what I heard in you over I, him. Now I'm not saying no, that you did it better than him. I, I just mean like I perform that I prefer that form, especially right now in my life, like, yeah. versus like a, a produced polished.
1: Yeah, the thing is is that I, I took that from him too though, is because he has a, an early demos album. Mm-hmm. that he has a version like what you just described so Does you, he? Okay. yeah you can have access to that
0: <laughs> i need to go check that it's out.
1: amazing it's my favorite george harrison album it's it's just it's a compilation of early demos and it's the greatest thing i've ever heard he has like the first version of my sweet lord on there
2: oh wow! it's like it's
1: like starts like my sweet lord take one and then like it goes it's literally take one of my sweet lord it is the craziest thing i've ever heard in my life it's, is he
0: your favorite Beatle?
1: uh no john lennon probably okay uh I don't know, to be honest, I, they all have,
0: have their seen, thing.
1: Yeah. They all do something different for me. Um, John Lennon's first solo album, like Plastic Ono Band, mm-hmm. is one of my favorite albums of all time. It's so that I've, I haven't have heard much. Well, I, there's definitely solo Beatles albums that are quality wise is good, but yeah. that, I haven't heard one that draws out much emotion from me, you know?
0: so that one resonates that one hits a lot yeah yeah Yeah. so one so my question was well let me take a step back so i uh in like in 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 learning more about like 60s and 70s music industry Mm -hmm. i learned that a lot of people back then like if it if there was a great song then multiple people would sing it, you know, have their version of it covers, and I just think that nowadays covers are like something that aren't as serious. They're just something you do when you throw it up on YouTube. It's like to get started, and then on your actual record, it's like I I write everything, and that and that seems like across genres. Like it seems like mm-hmm. pretty not that there aren't still songwriters writing songs, country. That's still obviously a big thing, but but I wonder. Like, so ex- for example, this track, Woman Don't You Cry For Me, that is not, I wouldn't say, a super common song, like a super commonly referred to song, but it's a great song. And I would wonder if an artist like you did it, like made it a serious song, you treated it like your own and you made it like a serious song and put it on like an album. Mm-hmm. And you did like like the Beatles first album. it's like half covers several originals are like do you see value in that and and then having like a full album where you're like, here's four of my originals, but here's four of my original interpretations of four great songs, you know, and then I would just think that like those songs have already been made, they're great like they mm-hmm. they just need brought back to life, yeah, I what do you think about? Are you like? Is that interesting to yes, you? very is, much so. Yeah, because you don't have, you don't seem to have a big ego. So I would think like well, writing song, like writing all the songs myself, it has to be that way, mm-hmm. or else I'm not gonna fucking do it.
1: You yeah, know? you know what worries me sometimes is that like the the whole idea of me wanting to be a professional musician is I'm worried that that's all ego based. <laughs> like so, mm-hmm. thank you for saying. It seems as if I don't have a big ego, but I definitely have one. I just think that I am able to push it down whenever I need to, yeah but okay Good. i'll get I'll get to your point though uh yeah, that is so interesting to me i I have a lot if you go through my voice memos, it's probably like seventy five to eighty percent just covers of songs that I love, because usually I've noticed like what gets me to write a song is whenever I hear something that evokes a specific emotion and then I'll try to write something that brings that same emotion out in me or something comparable and I've noticed like the best way to make me feel that emotion is just to play the song that gave me the emotion to begin with yeah and I have uh I've recorded plenty of covers like that I just have on my laptop that Like, I've been doing it less now since I've been writing a lot of my own material, Mm -hmm. but I would definitely love to put a cover on something, especially because Elliot Smith, uh, I've seen all of his concerts on YouTube, and he always would cover a Beatles song or a Bob Dylan song or a Neil Young song, so it's... And he used it, and it wasn't just like a time filler. He used it as if it was it were his own.
0: Yes, you know, right? And I think that's key, you mm-hmm. know. But, but, and I even think a lot of the great songwriters, singer-songwriters, like so. For example, I love John Denver. Mm-hmm. John Denver, a ton of covers, yeah. you know. And then some of his songs, some of his biggest songs that he wrote weren't his biggest songs, like "Leaving on a Jet," uh, "Leaving on a Jet." on a jet plane okay jet plane yeah mm-hmm. that song by uh who peter paul and mary was like the huge hit It wasn't a huge hit for him necessarily but yeah. he wrote it you know and and but then also with him he sings um mother nature's son It's a beatles song yeah. um
1: does he he does a version of that yeah on that's, his album it's the second
0: song on rocky mountain high I
1: need to listen to that because that is not even on a beatles album that's on like that's a demo yeah. i i want to know how he heard that yeah. Because like that wasn't officially released or anything. Like whenever he was an art like whenever he would have been recording that, that's crazy. Yeah. That's oh my god. I was just listening to that yesterday. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Man. And and, and even like John Denver has one that's um Grandma's Feather Bed. It's like mm-hmm. an old poppy or like bouncy yeah. uh uh folk song. And I'm a i I'm a music teacher during mm-hmm. the day, two days a week, and I'm going through some of the material and I see Grandma's Feather Bed and this old songbook. I'm like, no fucking yeah, way. Like that's dude, awesome. I mean, this is like awesome, that's John so, Denver yeah. song. So and I just think like, but then but then at this on the same album, he's got Rocky Mountain High, which he wrote, which is a great fucking song. So yeah. and, and then like so then Paul McCartney covers a ton. Like I, I just listened to a podcast about all of Paul McCartney's covers mm-hmm. and 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 the podcast host said, he's like, there seems to be like a, a, and it would make sense that people who cover these great songs, it would inform their songwriting to make them great songwriters. But but you wouldn't think that because you would think, well, you need to write your own stuff all the time. You don't need to be doing other people's stuff. But it makes sense that if you're doing other people's stuff, you're learning how they did it. And then it's coming out subconsciously in your own work you know i i've
1: really picked that up from is that um one of my favorite authors is hunter s thompson Mm -hmm. and he apparently sat down and would just write the great gatsby over and over again like copy word for word so he could feel the rhythm of what was going on with uh with like whenever f scott fitzgerald sat down and wrote it and i've i like getting myself in the mindset of whatever was going on with them at the time. It's insane. It's, there's so much like power and like being like you, it's like you're time traveling to whenever mm-hmm. something great was formed. And I feel like there's nothing more powerful in informing your songwriting than doing that. You yeah.
0: Know? Yeah. I think. And at the same time, if you nail the cover, you also just provided the, the world with another great song like yeah in doing in learning you're also providing the world with great entertainment and i, I would think like if, like for example if i didn't know you and we started all over and i just stumbled upon ap- upon your first album and you you know like i'm just saying hypothetically all of this can be thrown out the window yeah. you could tell me to fuck off <laughs> but like you have like the album opens with like sunny boy and then the next song is like, Woman, Don't You Cry For Me. And, and I, you just think about like the strength of a body of work when you sandwich these like great songs performed greatly around your own original material. It, it just like lifts. I, th- I just feel like everything lifts itself up. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It's just, thank you for the idea. <laughs> that's, that, I mean, I've really
0: like, I've thought about this as well
1: quite a bit and i just haven't gone as in depth as we're going right now. Yeah. It's i don't know, it's there is like i feel like it's like a séance of some some sort whenever you're seeing something that has that much uh that much historical weight to it. Yeah. And it's almost a bit daunting to to pair something i wrote up against Next something to. <laughs> yeah, up against something i find to be like one of the greatest things that I've ever heard, you know right, what I mean? Right.
0: But um, at the same time, I think it's bold. And I think that, I think that you would get rewarded for doing it. Well, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, uh, yeah.
0: Cause even yeah. like, like for example, I work with a band and last um, fall, I guess, or maybe this is spring. I don't even remember. They performed at the Lincoln amphitheater and they're a rock band. Mm-hmm. Like, classic rock they make new stuff but it's like in that lane yeah they covered um they would cover rock and roll by led zeppelin yeah and they when they would kick into that it just like like the hairs on your neck would stand up hi-hat intro yeah and then and it just like the place would light up and then they would go into one of their songs and i would never stack one of their songs against led zeppelin not at this point because i don't think they're there yet and sorry if they hear this. It's just the truth. Like I don't. How could you possibly? Those guys were a little older yeah, and a lot Jimmy more experienced. Twenty five when he started. <laughs> then, so. Yeah, exactly. So they were, they were a lot further down the road. These guys are your age. Mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. But but when you follow up like rock and roll with like one of their songs, it, like that energy keeps going, and yeah. then you go back into like. I don't know, whatever they would play. Walk This Way, they'd play that next yeah. or something, and that song's fucking badass. And then, you know, like, like sandwich these originals mm-hmm. in with these just classic staples, it it, it just creates like a great experience you know yeah, what i mean
1: it does it does create a great listening experience overall that's one of my favorite things too is whenever i'm going through artist discography and mm-hmm. they end up covering one of my favorite songs by another artist it's literally like it's meant to be you know what i mean <laughs> it's like um, it's there's something higher going on with it yeah it's crazy there's just i i just think that there's so much power in in music overall and this is a bit of a deviation from the overall idea but this is kind of encompassing why yeah. i do this and so there's just so much power in um being able to make some sense of what's going on and in, in a in a way that is um universal and it i'm so grateful that i have developed the ability to be able to play music because i have no idea what else to do and it just, it it just like, I don't know. It just seems like, I feel it's like since the beginning of time, man has probably been beating on the ground with sticks <laughs> rhythmically or something, you know what I mean? Sure, yeah. And it just, every time I play something, I feel like it's not like an ever-present thing. Well, it is ever-present, but it's not like constantly on my mind. But there's just something whenever me or anybody else plays a song, it's like you're harnessing like like all of the songs ever created before and it's just beautiful like it's like you're connecting with the world because the source it, yeah the exactly yeah. the source yeah yeah i don't know that's i just think it's it's something magical that even in so much chaos there's uh we still have a desire to uh to play music you know yeah
0: man i know and i that's yeah well said like i know that that, that is a hard thought to articulate but um, you said, like, something, I'll have to go back and listen to it to, like, actually grasp it, but something about, like, you can make sense of it, like, mm-hmm. the the ability to make sense of something in, in a moment by listening to a song. Yeah. That is a wonderful thing, mm-hmm. you know, and especially, so then at that point, you walk away, you're like, man, I've experienced it. And then maybe you go back and let's say so you don't quite get the same feeling from that song or something, but then you would discover a new song. Like like yeah. last week, I'm driving in my car. You know the song Magic Man by Heart? No, I haven't listened to much Heart. I'm a magic man. It's their like big hit. You would know it if you heard it probably. Probably. Come <laughs> on over. I don't know, whatever. But you just check it out sometime. So okay. it's a long song and I'm listening mm-hmm. to it in my car. I'm like, I've never really fucked with this song. I never even gave it the time of day. Really. Yeah and then i'm just listening to it i'm like god it's a really good song yeah. and then at the end it's like it's just this long drawn out sort of jam mm-hmm. and then here comes some like synthesizers i think
1: i have heard this before okay. i think i have heard this i think it, i think i had a very similar experience to you with the song actually yeah. on the cuz it came on the radio Yeah. Uh, sorry keep going with your this thing. is where yeah. i'm at
0: yeah so i'm driving and i'm like close to it and i start you know it's like you find something interesting, you like keep turning, like, all right, I'm gonna turn it up a little bit. I'm gonna turn it up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, I got it cranked. And then <laughs> yeah. it like drops in, like, this bass, Uh, this synth like sweeps down and then drops into this bass tone, like waving bass tone. And the song's still going. I'm like, holy f- shit, this is dope. <laughs> like, yeah. and then now I, and then like, I have just been, like, I have just been, uh like, elevated once again to this. Like all, I'm in awe yeah. again of like, how did they do this to a song that I ignored my whole life, mm-hmm. probably just background noise? And then it's like, whoa, I discovered something new. Like I've have, I've have reconnected yeah. with this. Like I feel like they probably felt when they heard that, like when they found that, like, oh, God, this is sick, you know?
1: Yeah, that's a, a going off of something you just said within that, uh, like getting to like. I was listening to I'm So Tired. I also, I listen to more than the Beatles. <laughs> <This is> just, <laughs> yeah. It just it seems to be like a, a a well that I constantly go back to for inspiration though. Yeah, but, you um, and many, many yeah, others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not alone in that. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, but I was listening to I'm So Tired and I was like falling asleep while I was listening to it. And I got into that stage where, like, before you fall asleep where it just seems like you're like, you could be awake or could be asleep. You yeah. really don't know. And I started to like have like such a crazy, vivid imagination of uh, John John Lennon in his vocal booth recording that, and like his mouth was like syncing up with uh, with like the words that were coming out of my phone, and it was crazy because I just I like I've thought about it before, but I really thought about like what it would have felt like to be in the studio after he created something like that, and like just listening back to it for the first time. So that's interesting you said that with the heart song because if they did something like. Crazy with a synth bass or something. I yeah. Feel I would because whenever my friends show me stuff they're working on, especially if they've got their studio monitors cranked, that's always going to add a little bit to it. <laughs> but uh, it's like uh. you can, if they're sitting in the room with me, I can uh, feel like coming off of them how they felt when they first heard that what they yeah. had created, and it would just be so like I'm I'm really grateful I have friends that make music because I get to be there for that. You know.
0: Sure. Yeah. Uh, Do you think? I've wondered this. Do you think that virtual reality will get to the point where you could type in um, 1964 uh, Abbey Road Studio Studio <laughs> Two, and like go in there? You're like in the control room, and George Mar- George Martin's beside you. The Beatles are right there, and we're playing back like, like for example. So I I just read a book on George Martin, and it mm-hmm. was about uh he was describing recording "Twist and Shout." Yeah, and how it was like. It was like the 12th hour of the day. They had they had done they had like four other songs. John's voice was shot. Mm-hmm. So they said, we have one take. And they're like, what track do we want to do? They took a break. What track do we want to do? And then they remembered that Twist and Shout was like a staple of their live performance. A cover. And so they knew. So John tears his shirt off, steps up to the mic, and he sings it. And Just shreds his larynx. Mm -hmm. So then he called that song "Forever" a larynx shredder. Yeah. And um, then then they just describe how George Martin's like, let's let's run it again. Like it it was shot. Like they had Mm -hmm. nothing left. And so it was one take, first take. Yeah. And the twelfth hour, that one take before the end of the session. And then he describes like listening back to it, how like just how excited, like they just knew something was happening in -hmm. that moment, like whoa like this is amazing so i just like i wonder <laughs> do you think there would be an experience one day obviously it will probably never touch the original yeah. but to go back because i mean i guess the closest thing we get to it now is reading about it in a book or seeing mm-hmm. something in a movie but like, or
1: some studio outtakes or something or
0: some studio outtakes yeah then you hear that you hear the excitement you yeah. know but
1: man i i mean it will 100 get to that point <laughs> technology is terrifying to me <laughs> It, it was so. It's yeah. probably not that far away. You're I don't right. know if I would want to do that though. That kind of takes away some of the magic. It's it does. A, it totally of, does. You know, like seeing videos from like the '60s in black and white of like um, of concert footage or like studio footage or just day to day life of an artist that I really enjoy from that time period is like it's almost like a movie. In that it's really difficult to realize that this actually happened. Like the moment right. that's being filmed was real and yeah. like i um I think if I could actually experience that moment, it would something would be taken away from it, but it is a it's probably gonna happen like probably what you just described, you know um yeah also I just thought it was funny that i I do listen to a lot more music than
0: the Beatles <laughs> I'm sure you do, yeah, I'm sure you do okay, so let me ask you this yeah what Okay so we, you said uh something about uh to to talk about wanting to be a professional musician there's some yeah. sort of ego involved but what is what is your dream or like what is your goal what would you like to do like what you're young still mm-hmm. but you're making some interesting shit what what do you want to do with this uh, like what what's your goal do you if you have one how could you yeah. articulate I what you would love to do with your your life in music. I would or love otherwise. so much to be a
1: musician for the rest of my life. If I was thinking about this in the shower this morning. It it's this is something that plagues me constantly. Like it's like at least once an hour I like near panic attack because of this. Like because it's so frightful to go into a career path that doesn't have the certainty that it can come with like uh with like a uh uh like a computer science degree, even though there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and I there's have a lot no, of friends. There's
0: um, like, no, like, commonly familiar bedrock of stability that yeah. comes with a path exactly. down music.
1: Exactly. There's no job application or anything. Right. And I don't know how health insurance or anything would work out with this. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? And um, But over, like, besides career aspirations, that's less so what I'm, worried about it at this point in my life because I don't have the need to be worried about it right yeah. now which I'm pretty lucky for and um I want to be able to continue to create things or at least begin to create things that make me f- make other people feel inspired in the same way that I feel inspired whenever I hear the stuff that I love that is my main goal in life is just to inspire other people to you know just inspire other people mm-hmm. that's that's it that's all i could hope for with my music
0: to to provide others with the feeling that you have been provided yes by exactly. those before
1: us exactly yeah. that's all i want to do in life that's the only th- and that's the only thing i could imagine myself doing forever even if i have to do another job and eventually get a computer science degree sure. to keep to continue to do what i love doing it's always going to be i want to make something that can show somebody how much possibility there is in the world you know
0: even providing you could you could at this point with even just sunny boy being out provide a younger version of yourself with the with the um glimmer of hope that you are provided when you were younger and you found these guys that you described earlier who mm-hmm. now are part of your mixing process. I forget the name of the Oh yeah, Boy group, Pablo. Boy Pablo. Yeah. That was inspiring to you in high school, mm-hmm. you know, younger years. You already could now turn around and probably inspire a sophomore junior in high school with yeah. just Sunny Boy. Because you already do have I mean you intrigued me. Like and I'm nobody, but I've heard a lot of music and mm-hmm. I've I've made music for a while. So I get I get a little bit more than I did when I was in high school but you mm-hmm. already have created a sense of wonder with Sunny Boy. I'm really I still am intrigued by it. I I'm I'm I want to go listen to it again later and think about it. Like so that and that, that happens with music sometimes, you know what I mean? So I think um I think that you from my perspective are on a path to to do something like that. But thank you so much. I don't think that you're anywhere close to where you could be, you know. And I, yeah. I think you, you said that in the very beginning when you said you're getting into new areas of guitar, learning guitar, you know. Yeah. I think all of that's going to keep on, and and I, I really, I hope, I, I really hope this, or I, I pray for this, like I, I send this out that I hope that in your mind and in your life like there can continue to be a cultivation of of belief and self-confidence and self um courage to like continually reinvent yourself like continually learn more about the guitar continually write another song because i think as you get older like look at me like in my own case i have a wife now i have a child there's so much as you get older, if that's the life that you choose, like I've tr- chosen a more of a traditional route, it's less focused on myself. It gets harder and harder to keep that belief alive when your mortgage payment comes in or your water bill is like high. Mm-hmm. But if you can continue meeting people who inspire you, you, re- you remember why you do it, and then you step back up to the plate. You you dive back into your work. You yeah you reach out again. You know whatever that might be. So I hope that. that I think that that is a gift that I hope that the universe provides you as a continual um uh ecosystem of belief in Thank yourself you. and people around you.
1: You know, I got it from my parents and my my family. They've been so instrumental in in like forming me. I see my parents as artists in their own right and I was like like their work of art pretty much, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like and they've instilled in me such great values and I'm just so grateful for them. And I think that that continual inspiration will, if it doesn't come from anywhere else, it'll come from them always, you know?
0: Hell yeah. I'm just so grateful to have them in my life. It's awesome, man. Yeah. All right. How about you brought your guitar? Yes. You brought your Martin.
1: Uh, Jimmy Page, the uh, d28 it's not actually his like model or anything but that's why i wanted it so bad (laughs) i was in love with led zeppelin i've that's how i learned how to play guitar pretty much was just playing led zeppelin 2 over and over again that's awesome Play like every song on there
0: you want to play a song
1: yeah i'll play a song not from Led Zeppelin though okay i can't do the robert plant right now
0: okay what are you gonna play for us
1: and play happiness by elliot smith wonderful it's become a staple in my own repertoire. <laughs> I just play it in my room all the night before, all the time before I go to sleep at night.
0: Perfect. Take it away.
2: Is killing the actor and the cops standing out in the road, turning traffic away. There was nothing he could do until after. While his body been buried below, way back in the day. Oh my, nothing else could have been done. He made his life a lie, you know He might never have to know anyone Made his life a lie, you know I told him that he shouldn't upset her And that he'd only be making it worse Involving somebody else but I knew that he'd never forget her While her memory worked in reverse To keep it safe from myself And oh my Nothing else could have been done Made her life a lie, you know She might never have to know anyone Made her life a lie, you know What I used to be will pass That all I want now is happiness for you
0: and me. So tell me this, you have, tomorrow you leave to pursue your philosophy degree yes. at Michigan University, University of Michigan. Yes. And you leave in the morning? Yeah, I'll leave in the morning. What do you do the rest of today?
1: I'm going to go home and record probably. Um, if there's anybody, most of my friends go to IU. If there's any of my friends that are still home that I haven't said bye to, probably seek them out, say bye to them. Probably just going to keep a the mellow day, watch a movie, skateboard probably. Sweet. Nothing much, you yeah.
0: know. Okay. Awesome. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for coming through.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, amen. And, and best of luck this year. Thank you. And hopefully I see you when you come home. Yeah. Again. I'll do this again. Yes,
1: follow-up interview. That's right. All right, nice awesome. All right.
0: you're still listening, uh, I got something I want to tell you. First of all, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And if you've listened before, thank you so much for listening in the past. Um, the podcast is a way for me to meet people and to learn and to hopefully share uh, in a dialogue with uh, an interesting person and filter it through this channel and into your life and perhaps there's something in there that you can pull from or learn from or just maybe find entertaining. So thank you so much for listening. Um I know how it is to have a billion options, maybe even a trillion options of ways to spend your time in 2022 almost 23. So thank you for spending your time on this channel. I very much appreciate it. Follow us on Instagram, say hi. Most of you who listen already do, so thank you, and uh, please keep listening. Maybe share with a friend. Thank you.